0: Hello, and welcome to The Field Report, brought to you by the students and staff of the NATO Field School at Simon Fraser University, an experiential learning program in security, defense, and diplomacy. In the NATO Field School, we bring students to learn about current events, issues, and decision-making directly from the experts and practitioners in the field. The Field Report takes the same idea. In each episode, you will hear from students and staff about what they learned and experienced while in the field. My name is Amy Topshi and I'm an alumnus of the 2022 NATO Field School, as well as the 2023 NATO Field School intern. I will be your host for this episode. In this episode and the next, we will hear from representatives of the NATO Field School who were present at the Madrid and Vilnius summits. In this episode, we will hear from from another 2022 NATO Field School alumnus, Miriam Adires. Miriam is a perfect example of what the NATO Field School and this podcast are all about. The NATO Field School gives students the opportunity to observe professionals and experts in their working environment and be immersed in the decisions that political, diplomatic, and military personnel face. It's an academic program. But it's also a professionalization program. Our goal is to prepare our graduates for entry-level employment in foreign affairs, defense policy, and various national and international security sectors, as well as international NGO sectors. Miriam, a Spanish citizen, did exactly that. While still a student on our program, she was recruited by the Spanish ambassador to NATO to support the Madrid summit. Today's episode will feature a conversation between Miriam and me. We will discuss the Madrid summit in general, as well as Miriam's experience as a young professional working alongside the summit. Before we begin, a quick disclaimer. This interview was recorded right before the Vilnius summit, and in the world of security and defense, information moves fast. For example, at the time of recording, Sweden's accession to NATO was still pending. However, they're now on their path to membership in NATO. And at the time of recording, we had not yet held our NATO Young Leader Summit in Belgium. That said, our interview with Miriam will provide useful context before we divide into the Vilnius Summit episode coming up, as well as provide valuable insights into the life of young professionals in this field. And so without further ado, let's hear from Miriam. Miriam,
1: um, could you introduce yourself for us? Hello, Amy. Thank you very much for having me here. So I'm an alumnus of 2022 NATO File School, as you just mentioned. And I'm currently finishing my two years master's degree in international security and strategic studies. And I'm here because while I was studying the NATO file school last summer, I was offered the opportunity to be part of the team of the Spanish ambassador to the NATO summit. So it is a pleasure to be able to share a little bit my experience. Yeah, and Miri, thank
0: you so much for joining us. Uh, Before we begin, I just have to say, I cannot believe it's been an entire year since we met um, at the field school last May, and I'm so happy that you're still involved, and I'm still involved, and so, so excited to be able to hear your experience and also share it with um, uh, everyone listening to this podcast.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's crazy how many things happened since we were studying in the Natal Field School. And now you working as an intern there and me still being involved. I think it's just beautiful how after finishing the program, everyone's still having the opportunity to keep doing things with the NATO File School. Very interesting.
0: Yeah, um, I think that's probably the best part of this program is how many opportunities there are yeah. after after you finish it. Um, and you're right. It's been a really busy year, both both uh, for both of us, but also for NATO. And that's kind of why I've asked you to be on the podcast today. Because last summer NATO had their summit in Madrid, and this was a particularly important summit. Um, but I guess before we get into why this summit was important, could you tell us a bit a little bit about the purpose of NATO summits in general?
1: Yeah, sure. So I feel like a NATO summit. It's a meeting where the leaders of the member countries of NATO come together at least once a year in a member state to coordinate the defense strategy, discuss the new policy, but also the alliance response to security threats. However, as you were mentioning, the Madrid summit was especially important due to the geopolitical context where and when it happened.
0: Yeah, um, you're totally right, Mary. when we look back to when NATO first began in 1949, um, all the way to now, it's so obvious that the geopolitical situation is very, very different. Um, and Miri, do you think you could tell us, tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yes. So I feel like this summer, it was a moment when it was crucial to define the alliance new strategy for the upcoming years, but also to address the security challenges that were coming from Russians invasion of Ukraine, and also China's emergence as a global military power. But another reason why it was very particular, this Madrid summit, it was the fact that it was the 40th year anniversary of Spain being part of the NATO alliance. Therefore, it was very special, not only because of the circumstances, but also because the host country was celebrating a long history of membership in the alliance
0: yeah um clearly a, a very important summit for so many reasons and of course there was another reason why the summit was important and you kind of alluded to it um the, it was time for the alliance to set a new strategy or a new strategy and they do this every few years through strategic concepts and this summer they released the 2022 strategic concept um Mary do you think you could tell us a little bit about that
1: yeah, so I feel like it's important to know that the strategic concepts are the documents that cover all the topics or new objectives or n- the new targets for NATO. And as you said, this document is renewed every t- every 10 years. Last summer, NATO agreed a new framework of action that it's always adapted to the new geopolitical environment. And this document is used as a guide Member states on how to succeed in military and political developments, but also on how to prepare for future challenges. Um, as you mentioned, it's uh, renewed every ten years, and the previous one was approved in 2010 in Lisbon. And since then, the strategic chessboard has been turned upside down by a number of events, as the Russia's invasion of Crimea, the Brexit and post-Brexit, the exit from Afghanistan and most importantly Russia's recent invasion of Ukraine. So it's been a lot of to address.
0: <laughs> no, you're totally right. It's really been a very busy decade. Um, and I would really encourage any of our listeners to go back and look at the 2010 strategic concept and compare it to the 2022 strategic concept. These documents are so different. and it's it's kind of hard for me to wrap my head around how much has changed over the over these 12 years. But really a lot has changed, and that's why the Alliance needed needed to produce a new strategic concept. Um, and these are so important because they guide they are the guide for the alliance for the next few years. And in such a busy and tumultuous period of time, the Alliance really needed a new guiding framework. Um, but with this in mind, um, uh, you were just referencing um, this new strategic concept and how many new topics are discussed in it. Uh, could you elaborate on some of the, the major topics of discussion, both in the strategic concept, but also at the
1: summit? Sure, Amy. There were a wide range of topics covering the summit. and. I think we can classify them in like five categories. So defense and deterrence in Europe, obviously Ukraine and the invasion of Ukraine, the partnership and open door policy, the strategic concept itself. And lastly, as the fifth category, the new threats and the transatlantic linkage. So if we wanna talk about the defense and deterrence in Europe and how it was addressed in the summit, I would say that since Russia invaded Crimea and the Donbass in 2014, it already made clear its imperialist intention, but the alliance also set about defending the eastern flank, and they did so by deploying four mu- multinational battle groups in the Baltics that were later joined by four more in Romania, Bulgaria, Hungary, and Slovakia. But in Madrid, this last summer, the Alliance objective of defense and deterrence, it was again reiterated. And it's true that the efforts after Ukraine have been redoubled and the Alliance has been strengthening its commitment to the Eastern flank and it has been also transforming the doctrine for some time. And we can use as proof the approval of the readiness action plan in the Wales Summit in 2014. So I feel like the defense and deterrence in Europe has been not only reiterated, but highlighted as the one of the main focus of the alliance to stop Russia from uh, further threatening Europe.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. I think one thing I noticed um, more broadly this past summer, and really this past year, was people began to really... everyday people began to really understand the importance of NATO. Once again, it's kind of its importance was re-emphasized with Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Um, And and on that note, you said that Ukraine was another key topic discussed at the summit. Uh, Could you elaborate on this a little bit?
1: Yes. For Ukraine, I would only say that it was recognized in 1997 in the Madrid summit. Ukraine is a key country in Europe's security. So it was made clear on the past summit, that the defeat of Ukraine by Russia is not an option for the alliance. And by stating that, everything was said. So there is no option for Russia to win this war, like it can't be a possibility. And also I mentioned that there was a topic, I mean, there was a focus on the strategic concept itself. And it was mainly to reaffirm the NATO's common values and functions, as well as what resources do we have to deal with the new risks and threats. It is um, I think it is also very interesting because China was referred to as a challenge and not necessarily an enemy. So we're we're still keeping China as only a possible challenge.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but in in regards to these, these new challenges, and especially Russia's invasion of Ukraine and kind of the return of um, perhaps conventional warfare to Europe, um, as you mentioned, there was also this major topic of discussion of partnerships and an open-door policy to NATO. And of course, we saw very recently that Finland um, is now a part of the alliance, so we're bringing it up to 31 member states Um, And of course, Sweden is still trying to circumvent the blockades of Turkey and Hungary, Um, but perhaps Sweden will be joining the alliance soon. So I guess this was also something that was discussed um, at the summit. Yes,
1: I feel like since Russia's invasion of Ukraine, it was clear for Sweden and Finland that they had to take this step forward and finally try to join the alliance. So the threat, knowing that the threat Of Russia, it's imminent. But yeah, they also mentioned um, this topic of like new threats and transatlantic linkage. And they were referring to the um, process of continuous change that NATO has to like pursue in order to approach terrorism, migration crisis, cyber attacks, and also disinformation campaigns and i think it's very important also to recognize that climate change was considered a very present challenge and also one that will be the trigger for many security problems in the future
0: yeah um on that note i'll say that that is something that i'm particularly interested in i actually wrote my thesis on this this very topic my undergraduate thesis Um, And I said to our listeners earlier that you really ought to look at the differences between the 2010 and 2022 strategic concepts, climate change is one of those is one of the most obvious differences so climate change was first mentioned in the 20 or 2010 strategic concept but it was kind of noted as something that has the potential to shape the security environment, Um, but in 2022, it was. Um, specifically referred to multiple times throughout the document, and NATO called it um, one of the defining challenges of our times, um, a crisis, a threat multiplier. And so I found that particularly interesting, as well as the discussion of all the other threats you discussed, so terrorism, migration, cyber attacks, disinformation. Um, I found the fact that these were still discussed at great length in the summit very interesting, because even though NATO is very preoccupied and um busy with dealing with Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the return to kind of um, a more traditional uh traditional warfare and traditional threats uh they still have recognized that they need to deal with all these other concerns um and so I was really pleased to see this um the consideration of climate change as well as these other threats at the summit and the strategic concept um and also very um fascinated by their inclusion that was kind of what I thought about for the summit
1: Yes, you're right. Like, it's very interesting and very um, calming to see how, whilst having a, a war in Europe, they are still able to keep up with other different kind of, like, uh, challenges. But also, um, I think we should talk a little bit about the last topic that was mentioned in the mm-hmm. summit, this transatlantic linkage. And I would personally say that I understood it as if one currently block of state, so NATO and the allies, was fighting against another, Russia, China, Iran, Venezuela. And if it's like this second block of state is kind of like sticking to do away with the values of the first. And it's true that several politicians and public figures have stated many times that the alliance was finished, um, but it's clear that Russia's invasion of Ukraine has shown that NATO is more alive than ever. And that Article 5 remains the only element that holds back the Kremlin's imperialist aspirations. So the Madrid summit was therefore also a showcase for the new NATO. It was a very attractive scenario to show that the allies are united committed and ready to face any threat, even if it comes from Russia. So I think it was a very nice way to wrap up the potential, the power, and the unity that there is still, and it's going to be for all the upcoming years in NATO.
0: Yeah, I think this past year has really just re-emphasized and reiterated the importance of the alliance And thank you so much, Miriam, for really walking us through these topics. This is so incredibly fascinating um, during this very tumultuous period in history. Um, And yeah, I think we've really enjoyed getting to hear about the the summit um, from someone who was actually there on the periphery. Um, And and on that note, um, I would love to hear a little bit more about your experience specifically. Uh, What was it like working with um, the permanent representative of Spain to NATO?
1: Well, I experienced NATO Summit from... Well, first of all, it was incredible. It was amazing. It was a very... I was very honored to have the opportunity um, to be working with Alvaro Iranzo, the ambassador, and also with my colleague, with Manuel. But I have to say that I experienced the NATO Summit from a more tactical perspective. So my position in the Spanish Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Cooperation, it was more oriented to assist the Spanish ambassador with the public diplomacy campaigns that were running around the Madrid summit so together with my colleagues we made sure that all the seminars the summit information campaigns and the press conferences were running smoothly mm, it was as assist- if like the mini- so the ministry intention was to provide both young academics and students but also professionals with all the information they needed to understand what was going on and what was going to happen in Madrid from the 20th to the 30th of June. So the ministry were, was organizing a series of events, but I would like to highlight this one specific event on woman peace and security that it was co-hosted by the Spanish and the Dutch Ministries of Foreign Affairs and Defense. And it was focused on aspects related to security sector reform and the double objective of, on one hand, completing the protection of women and girls in the conflict situations, and on the other hand, um, guaranteeing their active participation in all phases of conflict uh, resolution, which, in my opinion, is an indispensable requirement for a lasting and sustainable peace. So I feel like this conference was such a made such a huge impact in young academics and mainly for women who were attending so it was very very beautiful and very very um well explained and it it invited a lot of people to be to have an active uh, part in the conference so yeah that was mainly my my role there for the summer
0: Um, Well, thank you so very much, Miri, for explaining all of this. Um, It sounds like you were very busy um, and also very instrumental in the process, especially around these um, additional public diplomacy campaigns going on the the side and the periphery of the summit. Um, And of course, I know how busy you are with your your master's degree. So thank you so very much for taking the time to discuss this uh, with us today. Um, And again, I'm so thrilled to have you here, partly because it really shows how even after your um, students complete the Nato Field School program, we like to stay involved. And on that note, um, Miriam, I'm very, very excited to see you in a few weeks um, at the Nato Field School's uh, Young Leaders Summit that's going to be held in Brussels.
1: I'm so excited, Amy. I'm looking forward to meeting you in Brussels and also meeting the rest of the cohort and obviously Dr. Moens, Hannah, and Professor Blasi. So um, thank you very much for inviting me to the to record this podcast. It's an amazing opportunity, and I'm so happy to share my experience in the NATO file school. Um, I hope you have fun in the next few weeks and that you're able to learn a lot from the new cohort yeah
0: thank you so much miriam and perhaps we'll have to have you on again um maybe after our brussels young leaders summit okay thank you so much thank you okay so that's a wrap on the first interview of the field report thank you so much for listening and of course a huge thank you to miriam adiras for taking some time out of her very busy schedule to speak with me This episode of The Field Report was prepared by Hannah Christensen and me. Our producer and theme song composer is Solomon Rogers. The Field Report is part of the CDSN podcast network, which features other excellent podcasts such as Battle Rhythm, Conseil de Securité, and Security Scapes. On behalf of the NATO Field School, thanks for listening and be sure to tune in again next time.